The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. BWB, this is One Nation Radio. You better get it right. Rich Ladder, James Boyd came to give them life. The blackest wrestling podcast has come to kick all ass and drop it six feet if they kick it trash. Word, let me welcome y'all to something different. And if you dig it, man, you should let some friends listen. We be getting it in. That's on the regular, dude. Ravish and flow, but this shit rule. See, James don't rap, so I had to break it down. The whole network, man, we coming for the crown. Raps in the columns, I keep them both covered Making the beats too, so the listeners can bump it Hit us with the rating, yeah, I'm saying it's a five Before you hit it, talk, bob your head side to side It's One Nation Radio, and this is the beginning It's Rich, and I'm here with James It's time to listen to One Nation The power of the this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Uh, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all that counts to me. Goodbye and good night. Hey, Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega. Kenny Omega. One time for all the real ones. My name is Rich Latta, and welcome to... The May 17th edition of One Nation Radio. Appreciate you guys locking in with me uh, for a second time this week. Appreciate all the downloads and the shares and reading the columns and all that di- all that jazz. Um, so we got a couple things to talk about today. We're going to run down um, you know, the Enzo Amore situation. We're going to go over All In. We got Raw and SmackDown over in London. Ronda Rousey, Daniel Bryan. Andrade uh, San Almas, Nakamura and AJ Styles thoughts, also the WWE TV deal, and also questions from Jeremy and Joe that were submitted. But before we go any further, make sure you drop us a rating on your platform of choice. We are an independent podcast network, and our budget comes from word of mouth. The only way we're going to reach more people is with your help and by sharing the show and rating it. And I appreciate the ratings that you guys have sent in. I think I saw one uh, that got sent in that said one nation radio was their favorite. So I appreciate that uh, on a personal note. And I'm sure all the other guys are waiting for their reviews as well. So, um, so let's get it started on a difficult note, um, so the news came out yesterday. It was reported that Enzo Amore, um, he was, you know, the guy that used to come to the ring with the catchphrases and the ridiculous hair and all the uh, cultural appropriation. Yeah, that guy. Um, Enzo Amore it has, you know, essentially been cleared of the situation that he was in with... Um, uh, the situation with the rape charge. So he was not charged and he released a letter on his Twitter via his lawyer. So this is what it had to say. If you guys missed it, he said on January 22nd, Eric aren't, um, also known as Enzo Amore for WWE was accused via the internet and social media of misconduct during an alleged incident in Phoenix, Arizona, several months earlier. Prior to that date, no law enforcement or any other officials had contacted um, Enzo 
regarding such claims. However, after the careless, unfounded tirade on social media, Enzo learned, I'm going to say Enzo because I'm not saying his real name, um, Enzo learned of these accusations when his counsel reached out to Phoenix police subsequently and is evidenced by the vast amount of online admissions and other publicly available information. It was soon clear that the accuser exhibited a complete lack of truth or credibility. At all times, Enzo fully and unequivocally denied such accusations and remain confident in clearing his name. Uh, Phoenix PD recently informed Enzo that his counsel and his counsel that there is insufficient evidence in this matter to warrant any criminal charges, that the matter will not be transferred to the county attorney for prosecution, and that their investigation and case is closed. No charges were ever filed. The matter is closed. He went on to talk about, uh, you know, the support from his fans and, you know, he hopes to reconnect with them in a very big way in the near future, all that jazz. So, um, here's a lot to unpack there. So before we really get deep into it, so I, I think, you know, some of the, the folks that have released news pieces about this have kind of irresponsibly handled the situation. There was one that I saw, and I won't say the website's name because they're not about to get free promotion on my shit. It was like Enzo Amore is is innocent and all this other, you know, kind of, you know, kind of slanted, you know, coverage, you would say, to to be friendly about it. But I just want to remind everybody, insufficient evidence is not an admission of uh, or guilt or non-guilt. So um, just because they couldn't find the evidence, that doesn't mean that something didn't happen. And, you know, I feel like the only person or the only people that know what happened that night are those two people. And at this point, we kind of got to leave it at that. So, you know, a lot of people I, I've seen, you know, a lot going on about who deserves what and all this stuff. So I started thinking about who deserves what in this scenario. So I'm not big on deserve. I kind of think that you get what you get and you try to, you know, finesse from there, essentially. But um, for me, I think Enzo deserves to resume his career in wrestling if he choose to. Um, I don't, you know, necessarily know how WWE feels about that matter, but if this guy wants to go, you know, perform as a wrestler, you know, his chosen profession, he should be allowed to get back to that. If things are as they say, and he just found out like everyone else and not previously where he hid it from WWE as some believed, I think WWE needs to reimburse him some of that, you know, some of Vince McMahon's money. And we'll get to that later for four months of dates and merch checks and things like that. But, um, when I saw that, you know, if, like I said, we don't know who's lying, who's telling the truth, but we were under the impression that WWE fired this guy because he never disclosed the information. If they just fired him for, you know, and essentially wrongly terminated him, that kind of sucks. But there, you know, WWE, you, you really, I guess they felt like they didn't have time to figure it out. And Enzo's a guy that, you know, probably gave them some headaches and, you know, he just wasn't worth it, essentially. So they were like, whatever, fuck it. They can bring him back. They can, you know, never work with him again. It's whatever. 
Um, I do have a message for all these funky ass dudes on all this reverse me too shit where they want to feel so persecuted and pretty much say stuff like, uh, he needs to sue the woman. Uh, she should get the quote unquote jail time that he would have got all this dumb ass shit. It, I don't know who didn't give y'all some ass. I don't know who didn't, you know, teach you respect for women. I don't know who didn't teach you a bunch of things, but all y'all funky ass dudes, essentially one step from sounding like incels, y'all need to just back all the way to fuck up with this because that's kind of not what you say, man. Like, and you know, on, on that note with her, I think she deserves to go back to her life, essentially. Um, and for, as I mentioned before, the ability not to produce evidence is not the ability to prove lies. Like, only they know what happened, and unless something changes, that's how it's going to stay. Um, I am no Enzo fan, but I'm not going to let that hang over his head on how I judge him. I can just stick to calling him out for appropriating culture, for one. Awful wrestling matches. Some of the worst rapping I've ever heard in my life uh, with, you know, the couple songs I heard that he put out. And terrible hair. So Enzo's got plenty uh, on the deck for me to make fun of without, you know, hanging this thing over his head. But um, it's good to see that, you know, I, I think he should, you know, be, be thanking his lucky stars. And, you know, I actually had a discussion with a buddy of mine who I won't put on blast right here. He's like, why should he feel lucky? He lost his job. Well... He didn't have to go to court, and if he doesn't have to go to court, he doesn't have to go to jail. So, you know, job, court, jail. You pick which one that, that you want to be out of. I think I'll I'll take where I'm out of a job rather than being in court or jail any day of the week. The next thing we had to talk about, of course, is all in. If you guys don't know what all in is, you've been living under a rock if you listen to this show, you probably know what it is. We just talked about it last week. But um, I had a question from uh, Jeremy of Keeping It Strong Style. He was wondering about, you know, you know, the effects of All In and, and the reaction. And it's like this. If you came out your mouth and said All In was anything but a success, you are hating hard. If you lotioned up your dusty ass hands to tweet about, can they do it again? You know, and if they do that again, that'll impress you. I know what you were trying to do. If you are angry that 10,000 tickets were sold in a half hour and the first thing that you ran onto the internet to say was, well, those scalpers got a bunch of those, so it doesn't really count. What are you accomplishing? I know what it is. It's the energy. And that's what you want your favorite promotion to have. The energy that is causing fans of the Bullet Club and all the folks involved with All In to swell with pride. That energy is absent from WWE. Folks down with Ring of Honor and New Japan and the rest of the indie scene don't have to fight the same battles as you do. And say that it's not that bad. And if you don't like it, don't watch. That's just something that, you know, those folks don't have to do. And it seems like there's a jealousy factor that creeps in. No matter how much money WWE takes in, that essentially absolves their terrible creative. Look, they are an incredible business empire with the ability to sell us a nostalgia archive for 10 bucks a month 
and run weekly shows with incredible production values and a major league feel. The only thing, you know, that WWE doesn't do is make people feel the way about wrestling that All In does and the spirit of it. Um, I was on Twitter and I was seeing people bend over backwards to downplay uh, and, and say that, you know, this was not a historic event. And, you know, meanwhile, this is something that hasn't been done in America in 20 years. Um, these guys are not a promotion. It's Cody, the Young Bucks, Omega, the Bullet Club, essentially the being the elite. And this is their shit with dudes they they wrestle like Okada and getting a special attraction like Rey Mysterio to come out. This is a cultural experience that fans were going to drive to make successful, not only because they wanted to support those guys, but they were making history themselves in the process and didn't want to miss out on it. Remember, this has no effect on how you receive WWE at all. This is a celebration of a guy who I don't like all that much as a wrestler in Cody Rhodes. Like, if you've heard me um, go at it on Keeping It Strong Style with Josh and Jeremy, I'm not here for this Cody Rhodes shit, but this is also a celebration of the real DIY tag team of this and almost any era, the Young Bucks. And if these people are this mad that something this great for wrestling happened outside of WWE, I would have loved to see how all these same people would have taken the Monday Night War era because there was always a, 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 a either better or viable option elsewhere. And this right here with All In, this is the best example of fans propping up what they do like. And people couldn't handle that shit either. And if you got upset after hearing this, remember, it's just an indie show. And no one cares about those. Remember? Raw and SmackDown were over in London this week. Um, It's always good when they get to go out there because our brothers and sisters in the UK uh, wrestling community deserve to see Monday Night Raw and SmackDown a couple times a year. Here in America, we get it all the time. And, you know, it only comes to our town like two times a year. And, you know, it goes over there. Kind of the same amount, but, you know, we're an American-based company. So, for the time zones and actually those fans over there, it's always a cool thing to see. Um, you know, always an interesting crowd over in the UK. The hardest of the hardcore show up. They let WWE know exactly what they think of them. It's, you know, not too different from the Raw after WrestleMania. Of course, WWE has to drop the, you know, the lines about folks booing who they normally cheer when it's the same in every city. So, um we had Roman Reigns and Jinder Mahal kicking off the show, essentially. And more about Roman Reigns coming out there with, you know, just some of the weakest material that, you know, one could be given uh, in his position. So, you know, he came out there and he started talking about gender and he wasn't happy about his interference in last week's Money in the Bank qualifying match. He called gender out to his yard to face him like a man. Um, instead, Kurt Angle came out. Um, to the you suck chance and you know big smile on angle's face and he told him that gender would not be coming out and then reigns was like you know when did you start speaking speaking for gender and angle speaks for you know replied that he spoke for wwe management not gender and he got a phone call over the weekend and was informed of a few things angle said he was thinking with his emotions when he kept gender out of the money in the bank qualifier and he was wrong and he should be thinking logically and as a leader 
And that is what's best for business. So if you guys aren't noticing a couple things, they are trying to position the company against Roman Reigns when it's never going to go over that way, ever. Like, people are never going to believe it. So if y'all notice, they're slipping in this best for business shit. And I want to, I forgot who said this. Uh, I think it was Jordan. Shouts out to Jordan. Um, they're trying to make Reigns like, you know, there's a lot of like similarities with Bret Hart in 1997 when this whole thing was going on. You know, he was getting fucked over and over and over and over, you know, by Austin, by Sean, by the promotion for having to defend the belt immediately after winning it and different shit like that. But the thing is, there was nothing in Bret Hart's shit where you didn't feel sorry for Bret. Bret actually was getting fucked out here by by this bastard named Austin. Reigns is the guy that we don't like, not Bret. In this scenario, like you know, we were we were rooting for Bret, and you know, me personally, I was like, man, why won't Austin leave Bret alone and keep screwing this dude? So. I'm getting those kind of vibes from this whole thing. Um, so from there, Reigns was like, you know, I'm going to go do what I got to do. And then he basically goes back there and whoops Jenner's ass um, and speared him through some cardboard, essentially. People were cheering Jinder Mahal, which is a telltale sign that this Roman Reigns shit is doomed forever. Uh, if you can't get cheered against Jinder Mahal, fold it up, brother. I don't, I don't understand what you know, you're trying to do here. Um, so more shit, uh, happened. Of course we had a raw ass match with, uh, Seth Rollins and Kevin Owens. Uh, we had some more money in the bank qualifying action. Um, as Bobby Roode qualified with his regular behind, um, Baron Corbin and no way Jose, not really here. Uh, supposedly for them being that high on Baron Corbin, uh, I don't know exactly, <laughs> you know, what that shows for it, but maybe it's, you know, a thing where they didn't want to put him back in the money in the bank like last year where he made a fool of himself uh, eventually when he cashed in, uh, in probably the most hilarious uh, failed cash in that we've ever seen. Um, of course, we have the newly dubbed B team of Axel and Dallas when they couldn't be the A team. Um, looking forward to see where that goes. Had a six-woman deal with the Riot Squad against Sasha Banks, Natalya, and Ember Moon. Um, you would have to think that this probably would be Rousey here, but um, I think they're doing that match on the house shows, if I'm not mistaken. It's uh, Ronda in Sasha's place. So, um, way over there. Uh, obviously, Bray Wyatt and Matt Hardy against The Revival, who essentially you just feel sorry for those guys because... Here they were in 2016, almost on top of the tag team world. And now they're just dudes. And AOP, where the fuck were they? Um, <laughs> I don't I don't understand, you know, a lot with these NXT guys. And we're going to get that to that a little bit more when we talk about Almas. Alexa Bliss qualified for Money in the Bank because, great, we got to have Alexa Bliss in one of these matches. Um from there, Braun Strowman was teamed with Finn Balor, and they took on Drew McIntyre and Dolph Ziggler. And there's something weird going on with Strowman. I'll let y'all figure out what it is. Um, you know, and then Kevin Owens wrestled for the second of three times that night because he did the dark match, and he qualified for Money in the Bank. So 
saw some separation of Zane and Owens a little bit. Zane will be looks he looks to be paired up with Bobby Lashley. That might be a good match. Um, Kevin Owens going into Money in the Bank. I don't think Owens necessarily needs to win that that soon. Um, I think a SmackDown guy will win, which I will reveal later um, in a question from Joe. Um, but as far as SmackDown went, um, this was a pretty good show. Um, I'll, I'll say this. So when Daniel Bryan came out, it was to a Lord's reaction. This guy had that entire arena, not like even letting Renee Young of all people talk. Daniel Bryan had to control the interview and essentially, um, you know, said that when he came back, he was happy to be back and, you know, doing what he loves, but now it's not enough to be back. He doesn't want to just be back, and he wants to be on top, and he knows that it will be a fight the entire way, but after it's all said and done, he will become the WWE champion. Two thunderous applause, mind you. That is a babyface. That is a guy that <laughs> that you need to build around, you know, health permitting, of course. Um, from there, uh, I, I think this whole kind of segment was designed to give Daniel Bryan a little bit back. You know, he did the loss for Rusev last week and kind of sent folks into a tailspin. But Big Cass brought his dusty ass out there. And I'm going to just say this. He ain't come close to that first promo that he cut uh, in that suit. Maybe we need to get him back in the chopper suit uh, for all these promos. Because everything since then, he's had to deal with the midget. He's had this one. He had the promo the week after in the ring with the Miz. And none of it has measured up. So I Either he needs to come with some new ideas or the writers need to step their they rap game up. So he basically in the back, he, he was in the back. He said he was listening to Brian run his mouth and he's sick of it. Cass says uh, Brian may have all the people fooled, but he doesn't have Cass fooled. Cass says that he knows the real truth about Brian and he disagreed with Renee's comments on the loss of Rusev being Brian's first major setback since returning. Cass says he was Brian's major, first major setback. Meanwhile, he tapped out to the man last week. Um, and he's the reason why Brian lost to Rusev, and he'll me- keep making sure Daniel Bryan loses, so he will never live his dreams in WWE again. Blah blah blah. Um, <laughs> he says that he didn't tap out at Backlash; he only tapped out directly contradicting himself, so he could get out of the hole to get right back up and beat the holy hell out of Brian again. And Cass said that's exactly what he did, and he beat Brian down like he will continue to do. And Cass won't, or Brian won't be able to go anywhere without a seven-foot shadow following him around. From there, um, Cass went ahead and talked about Brian being in the greatest Royal Rumble, and then he got in the ring, and then he got his ass whooped. Daniel Bryan beat Big Cass like he owned him, in the words of New Jack. Daniel Bryan kicked the shit out of Big Cass in a way that I haven't seen a babyface beat on a heel in ages, and it was glorious. I want to see these heels get everything they got coming to them. And these baby faces need that shit. And the crowd just ate this shit up. Daniel Bryan drop kicked his leg, gave him the yes kicks in the corner. He um, went outside the ring and wrapped Cass's leg around the um, outside uh, the pole. Got him in, heel hooked him, made him submit again. All refs, geeks assembled, came out, tried to break Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan looked crazy. He had the fire in his eyes. He was a dude that, you know, he looked like a deranged mountain man just chopping down this big redwood that Cass is. And 
it was excellent. And <laughs> I don't know if that, you know, was the blow off or anything, but it sure felt like it. But I wouldn't be surprised to see these dudes uh, tangling up again uh, in the near future because, you know, how WWE goes. They like to keep shit going and going and going. So we had the New Day in the bar after that. Um, the New Day was victorious. Uh, they got to choose one of their members to enter the Money in the Bank, which will be interesting to see who it is. I think, you know, all three guys have a good argument. If you want to go with Big E, he's, he's always kind of been the guy that we all figured that WWE wanted to do something with. He's huge. He's charismatic. He can wrestle a little bit. And, you know, he's got something on the mic. Um, Kofi, he's been the guy that's been around forever. Fans have a sentimental attachment to that guy. He's awesome in Money in the Bank matches. And Xavier Woods, who's slowly broken out of the shell of just being the third wheel. And he's, you know, having people arguing his in-ring prowess and his ability and everything like that. And all these guys have their own, you know, guy or their own, you know, reasons for why they should be the guy. It'll be interesting to see if, like, you know, they get in a little argument or something and say, why don't we just fight for it? And then they do like a triple threat match with the New Day and the lead up and the winner gets it or they just volunteer one guy. It would be interesting. If it was me, I would put uh, Big E in just because uh, lots of hosses in that match. Like it might make the money in the bank match a little bit different, but I would like to see some hosses in there, uh, you know, get to it and, and fly their big asses around. Um from there, you know, we got um, the <laughs> the goddamn uh, Melibration. Oh, my God. Um, <sighs> now, Carmella came out here with the full intro from, you know, like in England, like some dude like announced her arrival. She came out with those uh, security dudes that don't uh, say a word no matter what you like kind of do to them. She came out here and pretty much got this whole like huge drawn out thing and it was like man i wish they tried this hard with you know other people as champions like where was this for alexa bliss like where was this for um charlotte where was this for sasha where was this for bailey like they are giving this this woman the world essentially and i guess that's kind of what you have to do when you know those matches suck so you kind of got to dress everything else up um carmella came out in these white jeans and kind of not looking like herself uh, a little bit different from you know her normal leopard attire of course there was leopard trim in the ring and you know some things like that but um she was out there and you know doing her thing and until you know she started just going on and on about just i don't know what Eventually, you know, she started dropping that Mela is money catchphrase that's slowly dying a death uh, every time I hear it. And Mela is champion and she beat Charlotte and, you know, she's better than each and every one of the fans in the crowd. She's better than everyone from Sasha to Alexa to Ronda Rousey. People not even on the brand. She's better than Trish and Lita. I'm like, who's writing this? <laughs> um, so from there, uh, Paige came out and of course, you know, in the UK, her hometown Paige was out there and she announced that Carmella's next opponent would be this woman. And you know, this woman ended up being Oscar. And that's, I think what everyone was kind of anticipating. I don't know, you know, why they shot that money in the bank. Um, vignette. I came in here and kind of shot on them on one nation live on Sunday. But 
you know, Asuka shouldn't be in no damn Money in the Bank match. She's Asuka. Kick her fucking head off. So that's kind of what I'm anticipating on happening. If Asuka loses this match, I am going to lose my mind. And you guys better tune into One Nation Radio to let me, uh, or to hear me, let these motherfuckers feel it, as they would say in 8 Mile. Um, but, yeah, man, um... Oscar needs to go ahead and, and do the damn thing and, and save the, the um, women's championship. Skipped over some, but we might as well get to it now. Um, we had the debut of Andrade Cien Almas. Yes, the NXT, former NXT champion with a five-star match on his resume, a completely rebuilt character, shows up for his first match after the call-up, which happened the week after WrestleMania. His first opponent is some dude I don't even know his name. Where'd they find this guy? They must have found him, you know, uh, just just walking down the street in the UK and was like, hey, you you want to fight a guy? So they kept Andrade Cien Almas off TV for over a month, had him miss a pay-per-view, had could have already been getting this dude off and running into something meaningful with Randy Orton, with Daniel Bryan, with Jeff Hardy, something. But no, we had to wait a fucking month for them to come out here and have him fight a jobber. And thank God Zelina Vega pointed out the obvious because if she didn't do it, I was going to. And I will continue to because all this tells me is he could be a guy that they struggle with, that they don't know what the fuck is going on with. Like AOP, they showed up for one or two weeks and we haven't seen him again. Ember Moon somehow got into the money in the bank, but she was kind of just, you know, kind of going around, and we, we don't really see her. Uh, Sanity, we still don't know where the fuck they're at. Andrade Cien Almas, this guy's a motherfucking star, and you hold him off TV for all that time? We couldn't find room for him nowhere? I don't know, man. It sounds like y'all ain't got nothing planned for this dude, and that's quite disheartening because the dude can wrestle his ass off, He's a motherfucking star in the making, and I want him and Daniel Bryan to wrestle at SummerSlam so badly. So, hopefully, you know, they've got something in mind for that last um, Money in the Bank SmackDown spot. I wouldn't be opposed to seeing Almas get in there and immediately win the Money in the Bank. Fuck skip, fuck the U.S. title with Jeff Hardy. Everyone kind of circled with it. Um, at this point, you could have already jumped that off instead of, you know, having Jeff Hardy fight uh, Randy Orton and Jinder Mahal and, you know, several other regular wrestling motherfuckers. Like, you could have got him in there with almost immediately and got this shit popping. But since you wanted to wait, now I'm going to increase my expectations of what y'all need to do with this man. Put him in money in the bank. Let him do his thing, whether, you know, you want to let him win, I'm down with that. Or if you're going to make the match, like, completely revolve around him, I'm cool with that, too. To jump off his next rivalry, I don't know if there's a baby face in there from SmackDown to really do it against. But I wouldn't be opposed to seeing him and Dan Brown Bryan eventually get into it. I'd like to see him and Randy Orton get into it, because Orton will wrestle to the level of his competition. And I think there's no better opponent for Randy Orton right now than, uh, Andrade San Almas as a heel. So it will be interesting. I hope they figure that out because I will be giving them hell if they fuck up Andrade San Almas. Because, you know, remember, 
this is the same roster that couldn't figure it out with Shinsuke Nakamura as the babyface. They couldn't figure it out with Sami Zayn as the babyface. They couldn't figure it out with Bailey as a babyface. Maybe they have a little bit uh, better luck with Andrade since he's a heel. But people love this guy so much. Maybe they'll just like, I feel like they're going to slot him with Sin Cara or something. I, I can feel it coming miles away. Um, I don't know. So, moving on. We had Becky Lynch secure a spot in the uh, Money in the Bank women's match, defeating Sonya Deville and Mandy Rose with her pornography music, um, the Val Venus Part 2. I'm telling y'all, this Divas era is not, you know, is is not as far away as you think. You know, they're, they're going to revert back to what they revert back to in most scenarios. Uh, and speaking of that, announced next week was Billy Kay versus Lana. My God, I might have to close my eyes during that match. Tape them shut with duct tape because this goddamn match, Billy Kay versus Lana, woo! I don't know, bro. I feel like y'all trying to torture me, WWE. I feel like y'all are trying to put something on screen that I will take my motherfucking shoe off and throw it through the television. Do not. Oh my God. <laughs> so did Lana turn back babyface? Uh, I know Billy Kane a face, so I don't know. They got a lot of weird shit going on. They got Big Cass fighting Samoa Joe. Maybe that's to finish the burial job of Big Cass, you know, because of the quote unquote heat that he has and all that jazz. But, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot to it there. So next order of business. We have to talk about Ronda Rousey and Nia Jax for the Raw Women's Championship at Money in the Bank. I wrote a column this week um, laying out, you know, uh, the deal with Rousey. Um, It was called, yeah, the title match is early, but it is no guarantee that later will be Ronda Rousey's time. Um, Yes, it's early. No, no, no uh, debate. No, you know, not trying to hide it. And WWE has done a couple things, I feel like, to kind of buffer that and, you know, essentially kind of bend over backwards to make sure that resentment doesn't start creeping up. I see what y'all doing. So when they, I guess they were at something called the Upfronts for NBC, some deal with, with a channel, I don't know who watches it or anything, but WWE had the video up on their YouTube channel and, uh, Nia, no, excuse me. Ronda Rousey was doing an interview with, uh, Kathy. I don't know her last name, but you know, she's talking about, you know, having to debut at WrestleMania and all this, you know, other stuff. Charlotte walks up and, you know, starts talking and is kind of just, just hanging out. And it's like, okay, why is Charlotte here? And then all of a sudden, Nia Jax walks up like, yeah, but can you do this? And it holds the belt up in Ronda Rousey's face like she don't know Ronda's with the smoke. So she's like, do what? Like, <laughs> like, like, don't make me take your goddamn belt. So Nia was like, you know, I have an obligatory, ch- uh, you know, title defense whatever the fuck that is. And, um, you know, I didn't know we had those in WWE because, you know, Alexa Bliss would just randomly not defend the belt for months on TV. Where the fuck is Brock Lesnar's obligatory uh, title defense? Um, You know, they, you know, did did a little thing where Nia, she said, I'm not challenging anybody else. I'm challenging you. And Ronda was like, you know, there are other women that deserve this and all this other stuff. That's the line right there to make you be like, oh, okay, Maybe it's okay for her her to um, challenge for this thing. But 
I think this is a good thing because if we look at the rest of the landscape on Raw, bro, it is a fucking dumpster fire. You have Sasha Banks and Bailey in a gridlocked stop and start feud that I don't even know if they're going to get to blow it off at SummerSlam like, you know, everyone's hoping for, right? Um, you have the Riot Squad who's trying to shake shake the funk of SmackDown off of them. Uh, every, you know, kind of, you know, moment, essentially. And you have Mickey James, who does nothing but jobs. You have uh, Ronda Rousey's little friend, Natalia. You have Ronda Rousey, who's kind of there, but not really like a, a wrestling part of the show every week. And you have Alexa Bliss, who you just ended up beating. So, I mean, if the rest of them are going to be in the money in the bank, you don't want to fight and live Morgan. You don't want to fight in Sarah Logan. Ronda Rousey and Nia Jax is your match. Now, this is not going to be about match quality because I think this could be rough. Uh, It's kind of difficult to have a great match with Nia Jax. It isn't impossible because I've seen Sasha Banks do it. But I'm going to say something that may or may not be shocking. I don't think Ronda Rousey is Sasha Banks. But Ronda has a couple things she can do. Um, Obviously, they're going to build it up. Ronda being smaller. Nia Jax is monster of a woman. There will be a a natural story there. Uh, Maybe, you know, the the fact that Ronda is a submission artist that will help her in this match. Um, She can, you know, kind of do those things. But they got to find a way to crack the code on either where the fuck Nia Jax is going. Because... You this can't this this needs to heat up quick. This cannot just be this baby face versus smiling baby face thing because yo, that's not the heat in these streets, especially in the women's division. So it, it's rare that we get these baby face versus baby face things, and we got it with Oscar and Charlotte, but it you know, there there's usually always a personal issue there with the women, uh, for them to work with. They kind of like handicap, like, or they childproof their feuds essentially, uh, and, and they don't do let them, you know, both, you know, do a lot of like nuanced stuff, like. So, uh, it to me, it reminds me of Ronda, you know, the Ronda versus the Big Giant thing. It's like every other Vince McMahon trope, uh, essentially throughout the years. Like Hogan had to beat Andre and Bundy and. Uh, Roman Reigns had to beat Strowman two times before he got Lesnar or, you know, back-to-back years. John Cena went over the big show a million times. Roman Reigns went over the big show. Bret Hart went over Yokozuna. Uh, Stone Cold beat uh, big show. Everyone whooped the big show's ass at one point. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just think, you know, this is a good idea because after a while, with Carmella and Nia Jax as your champions, this shit was going to continue to look dumb. Like, if... Either Oscar doesn't touch the title or Ronda Rousey, and those being the two challengers, I would switch both belts uh, immediately. Yes, give Ronda Rousey the title. It's it'll be better than anything that's happened on the Raw brand with the women for a fucking year. I guarantee you, it, it'll it'll be a thing because. People are into Rousey. They have to take advantage of this window where people are not either booing her or not wanting to go with the program. This is the time. And, you know, as I wrote in my column, I was skeptical about Rousey this whole time because I figured, you know, folks would be like, yo, we're not here for this shit. But it turns out that they are, you know, objectively looking at it. So what WWE needs to do is get the belt on her. Just fucking run it and let her run through the division. 
She doesn't need to be having long-ass matches. That's not how she became a star in UFC, by going through fucking wars all the time. She needs to go in there and just start killing these chicks and give her the belt. Like, I don't know, man. Like, there's a lot of people that, you know, have different philosophies about it. They should stretch it out. They should wait till SummerSlam. They should wait till uh, WrestleMania for her to finally win the title. But it's like, who's going to keep the belt for that long with Rousey around? Like, if this was, and I hate to, like, take it this way, but if this was real, how would someone continuously get out of Rousey's way? Anyone got an answer? Like, if you're booked in a match with her, you have to either get yourself disqualified for months in a row, you have to completely avoid her while she's destroying everyone else. No, man. Get the belt on Rousey, see where it goes, and eventually... Switch stuff up by the time WrestleMania comes to where she has a fresh match. I'm looking at you, Asuka. I'm looking at you, Charlotte. I'm looking at you, Becky Lynch. Switch something up. Keep Sasha in a in a place where she's kind of doing something else. Or use Sasha Banks. Because who can get a, a great match out of anyone in the women's division? Sasha Banks. Sasha Banks and Ronda Rousey eventually for the title will be that heat. I promise. So, of course, we have to talk about the money. Of course, one of the biggest stories that came out this week, aside from um, All In and, you know, them going over to the UK and the Enzo thing, was it's being reported that NBC Universal is going to renew WWE Raw back at a huge uh, increase while declining to re-up SmackDown. So, they'll be able to shop SmackDown elsewhere. So... Uh, the report said that the uh, you know Raw is expected to uh, close, or the deal is expected to close as at as much as three times as its current value, and it would remain on USA Network. So you know what that means: three-hour Raws are here to stay, everybody. So keep falling asleep, keep turning off in the third hour, keep watching WWE Creative get stretched to the fucking bone trying to fill three hours because nothing's changing. Um, this money will. Um, essentially make an episode of Raw more lucrative than a pay-per-view. And it will absolve them of having to produce things that we may, you know, consider to be good. They have literally no repercussion for putting out trash. Um, It's disheartening, but it's a hell of a business model, isn't it? Because (laughs) if you can uh, put your uh, company in a position to where you're going to make money no matter what you do, that's a success. And if if you fuck it up, it doesn't matter. Why? Because those contracts are signed. And this is a TV rights company. This is a company built on the brand of, of WWE being a live sports property. Not a sport for you guys that are listening and be like, but it's not a sport. It's a sports property. And we know, you know, it's live entertainment, essentially. So that's what this whole thing is built on. WWE is a media company. They are not a wrestling company. So, you know, no matter what, you know, Triple H may may want to build in his territorial system. We know where the bread is buttered. It's these live TV rights. And... They can stink out WrestleMania main events. They can do whatever because those checks are cut. And salute to them for that. Because if, if 
you know, I got to walk in my, my job and be perfectly average or do this show and it'd be perfectly average and millions of other motherfuckers like downloaded it and listened to it or my job was willing to pay me a bunch of money just to be whatever and there was no pressure. Oh my God, that's the American dream. You better come on in, you know, uh, as they said in Superfly. But, um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where SmackDown ends up. Especially with all the wrestlers that are on SmackDown because we want to see them all. So they, you know, this kind of led into the deal where the stocks shot up huge. And my buddy uh, Dan sent me a link this morning where um, it was $50.12 a share or 21 cents a share. And that was up from 43.60 at the close of business Wednesday. And that was good for a near 15% increase. And. That is directly due to people trying to buy in, you know, before this TV contract kicks in. So WWE, while they're fucking up a lot on screen, off of it, they're stronger than ever. So the more, you know, they they have more money than God, essentially. So for them to keep doing that is commendable, but... As I mentioned, we don't talk about the business much on this show because, you know, as far as the money, we know that money's made. They're going to keep doing whatever. We are here for the creative shit. So it will look funny in the light when they're when they keep making all this money. And if they keep going down this road that they're going where, you know, things just aren't right, essentially, it's not really that important for SmackDown right now, as opposed to SmackDown a year from now which those will be the guys that are that quote unquote either suffer or they have to get condemned to this bastard stepchild of SmackDown. So this year, you know, all these guys are on SmackDown. They're kind of preparing. I I fully expect that they're going to raid SmackDown, uh, you know, next coming draft and beef raw back up again, you know, because if, they're going they'll probably leave a couple guys like either uh, AJ or Daniel Bryan but i think the cover's going to be bare eventually on smackdown and they're going to dedicate you know their times for raw maybe this is a case where they combine the rosters again i wouldn't be opposed to that but of course you would have to fire people and wwe is not in the business of firing people anymore why? Because they're afraid people will get hot in their part of the world. That's why they're doing all this stuff in the UK right now with ITV and um, competing for the talent that way and not really using them, essentially. So they're locking up all these dudes like Dijak is sitting in NXT, not doing a thing. Um, you know, doing tag team matches on the Florida circuit, the B circuit of NXT. So they're going to sign as much talent as they can so they can't compete elsewhere and that's that's it's all in the game free throws and fouls as they say so if that's what they want to do i wouldn't be shocked if we saw more guys you know like if there's not that upward mobility that we in essentially wwe is probably selling those guys you it, the way things are going on the independent scene right now there may always be somewhere else to go and eventually there might be a true competitor in North America because while New Japan is the second biggest promotion in America right now, there's only so much reach it has because access is not in all those homes and the internet's, you know, the internet and people are watching it, but it's not on that level. 
Speaking of New Japan, Okada and Tanahashi was everything I thought it would be and more. It was an emotionally gripping classic that the entire building and everyone that watched that match live especially, you will feel like this was the last. It was a love letter that Hiroshi Tanahashi wrote to the IWGP Championship and all of his fans around the world. I got to meet Tanahashi over WrestleMania weekend, and I just thanked him for being such an integral part of expanding New Japan and putting the company on his back and uh, doing these things to introduce the Western audience to New Japan. And being such a great champion and great wrestler and phenomenal worker and so unselfish, and he spent a good portion of his prime drawing years making Okada. And this was the match that was like, yo, for Okada, Okada passed him, you know, long ago, essentially, like in, you know, winning the belt and being the man. But this was like the last one. Like, I wouldn't be shocked if these guys never really had another high profile match again, because it was so beautiful. It was so intense. It was so gripping like as far as like people wanting Tanahashi to deny history they wanted him to turn the clock back they wanted him to turn into the ace that they always knew and it just wasn't there and this wasn't a situation like where Tanahashi is washed he performs a little bit differently now but this guy he is so special. If you never got the chance to really watch Tanahashi and you don't ever see yourself really going back to do it, I'll just say this. This guy is unquestionably one of the best wrestlers I've ever seen in my life. And this is me watching Tanahashi from 2015 forward when people said this guy was broke down. So I didn't even really get to experience his athletic peak, his peak uh, as a super duper star. He was still a huge star the whole time. I've, I've pretty much watched him in New Japan. But from, you know, 2016 when he lost that belt to Okada, or excuse me, he lost his uh, the, the main event uh, at Wrestle Kingdom 10 to Okada. He's been uh, you know, injured a lot. He hasn't really he's been with the IWGP Intercontinental title, but this was Tanahashi's final farewell to the IWGP title. I, I don't think they'll do a nostalgia reign with him um down the road because I don't think that's what uh New Japan really is into, especially with Okada only being fucking thirty, um <laughs> and probably the greatest wrestler to ever live um uh, already. So it will be it, it was so tough to watch because I knew eventually we're getting back to Okada and Omega. Like I, I figured, right? Um, but when I watched Tanahashi and, and, and Okada, it felt like the end of just a glorious story, as Jeremy had mentioned, was callbacks to the callbacks. And it was a situation where he... He came into the match being disrespected by Okada, being talked down upon by Okada. Okada feels like he's above this guy at this moment. But there's always something with great rivalries. It doesn't matter, you know, the talent gap. It doesn't matter the age. 
this is a, a great example of this would be in college basketball with North Carolina and Duke. You can throw the rate, the rankings out the window. Like you can throw the A status out the window. When Okada and Tanahashi get together, it was going to be magic. And that's what it was. If you haven't seen that match, Dave Meltzer gave it 5.5 stars. I give it 4.75. So maybe the truth is somewhere in the middle. So if you do nothing else this weekend, find a way to watch Okada versus Tanahashi, the final chapter, as I'm dubbing it. Because you will appreciate 35 minutes of two guys pouring their fucking hearts out and leaving it all in the ring and then they set up Okada and Omega 4. I'm with that. Last thing I wanted to touch on today was I had a question from Joe Saba. What up, Joe? All the way over in Australia. Aussie, Aussie, Aussie. Oi, oi, oi. I hope when I come visit, you show me around. Um, he asked, who would I, who or who I think is going to win the money in the bank? So um, for the sake of argument, um, I would look at all the people that are confirmed um, so far, obviously they still have spots to go. So I'll just choose out of the available field. So uh, when it comes to the men, we have Bobby Roode, Braun Strowman, Finn Balor, Kevin Owens, Rusev, The Miz, The New Day, one of those members, and the cast versus Joe Winter. So throw out what I said about Almas earlier. They're not going to do that, it seems. So looking at it, I think there's only two guys that I, I, I would really, you know, consider going with in this scenario. One of them's Rusev, because who the fuck doesn't love Rusev at this point? He got a huge win over Daniel Bryan. Give him something. Dude's been over forever. See what you got. And of course, The Miz. It's no secret. Uh, Jinder Mahal was wearing his world title last year. That should have been The Miz's. Um, the Miz just came off the best performance of his career against Seth Rollins. Um, he did a, had a great match with Jeff Hardy after that. He's firing on all cylinders. He's not the chicken shit coward anymore. He's a, um, thinking man's heel wrestler. This generation's Ted DiBiase essentially. And at this point, this guy has elevated his performance to where even the starkest deniers, uh, or, you know, the, the, the Miz deniers, as I'll say, uh, that, that ain't with the program. A lot of them have been converted now. So, you know, they'll recognize when he has the belt again. So we'll see. And eventually it'll set him up to, uh, cash in on someone down the road that remains to be seen. But I think the Miz is ready. And I think this is his ticket back to the top. If they don't want to do it this way, I don't know which way they do it. I would love to see him win it clean in a wrestling match. That would be nice. But they like to do these money in the bank type things. He can, you know, cash in the money in the briefcase twice. I'm not sure if someone's ever done that. Um, CM Punk, maybe he cashed it in twice, I think. Uh, anyone else? I'm not sure. You guys will have to let me know. But, yeah, I'm, I'm predicting The Miz uh, to win the Money in the Bank uh, contract. But that's going to wrap it up for uh, this week on One Nation Radio. I will be back on Sunday with One Nation Live, uh, experimenting with the show coming soon. 
we may be incorporating a video broadcast of this. So I'm going to, I got to get a couple things together with my finances. I got a new car to go get. Of course, my last one is, you know, on the, essentially has gone the way of the Dodo. Um, so when I get a new car, I'll take pictures, put it up on Twitter, let y'all see what I'm working with now. Uh, if that comes through, but, uh, once I get all that settled, I'll probably be trying to figure out some video options for the show. So you can see me losing my mind. You can see how my hands are moving in and just feel the passion and the energy that is coming from me during these shows. Um, as I mentioned, uh, make sure you guys check out the rest of the shows on the social suplex podcast network. We got the wrestling watch with Caleb Baldwin covering Ring of Honor and Impact. I'm sure he'll be talking about All In at some point. We've got the Outsider's Edge with Rance and Carl. And if you guys haven't listened to their show, it's very different from <laughs> most shows that you hear online. And, you know, I feel like they occupy a certain niche on the um, network that, you know, needs to be heard because there are a lot of fans that feel like them out there. I'm not one of them, but they're for, you know, we got stuff for everyone here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We got the Ricky and Clive show over in Scotland, and Ricky has been cutting promos. If you guys have not been hearing what Ricky has been saying, he's been cutting promos. Clive has been, um, you know, doing his thing as well. So make sure you check out those guys. Of course, keeping it strong style with Jeremy and Josh. Holding it down in all their glory. They're running a best of the Super Juniors contest. If you're trying to get in on that, hurry the fuck up so you can get a t-shirt. I might have to send mine in after this show because wrestling shirts that I don't have to pay for are my thing. Uh, And also, grown men watch this shit. And, you know, they are an indie podcast hosted by Chris and Jeremy. And you will really enjoy those guys' show, too. I heard one episode, and I'm in now. So if you guys uh, want to support the network, make sure you rate us and review us on your platform of choice. We need it. We want it. We got to have it. I I can't explain to you how important this is. So thank you guys that have rated. Um, if you can get a friend to rate it, all the more appreciated. Uh, I will be back Sunday with more stuff, you know, barring some emergency type of stuff like CM Punk comes out of retirement or something. So this is Rich. Thank you for listening to One Nation Radio. I am out of here. Peace. Thank you for listening to One Nation Radio. We'll see you next time. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.